Hello and welcome to Bullet Points, the podcast all about shooting games. My name's Ed Smith. I am the host of this episode, joined, as usual, by Reed McCarter. That's Sergeant Reed McCarter. Uh-huh. Get and, it? And Staff Sergeant Patrick Lindsay. Uh, I am a lieutenant, thank you very much. You can't be a lieutenant, you're a lieutenant, because you're, it's lieutenant. Canadian. No, it's... Mm, good point. He is half Canadian, so... Yeah. If there I'm was like, a war, uh, I'm like Patrick. Peter Sellers in Doctor Strangelove. I'm, like, visiting. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a war, Patrick, between Canada and America, and there, and there may well be, what side would you ally with? Um, I don't really think that is a question. Because it's America. Yeah, clearly. And so Patrick well, and I will. It'll I be mean, like America, a, America would Civil win. War movies. Yeah. Wait, um, I wait. Mean, Amer- America would win, but Canada would be the sort of more moral choice, I think, at this point, or any point. Yeah, it would be. It would make a hell of an underdog story. It would, except except Canada would definitely lose. No offense, Reed, but I mean, anyone would lose. I mean, it's America. They've got. If there's I one thing even, they've got, it's like an army. Even Canada would be like, what the hell are you doing? Of course we're going to lose this war. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, what do you think... Uh, what would you do, Ed? Would you and your compatriots come back to... What, to defend Canada? To defend your children that you uh, don't care about ever? Uh, well, I think America America are, is our children as well. I'm kind of both of your dads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was wondering... I'm the patriarch of this podcast, and and you're my offspring. How British uh, my is progeny. that? But I, no, you I, finally I said think, it. I don't think Britain would defend Canada at all. I think they'd be on America's side. Because again, why why wouldn't you? They'd win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their army is shit hot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, this has anyway. been uh, this has been the <laughs> first episode of our <laughs> political what if scenario podcast. I think I think we're doing fine. Alternate history. Alternate Courtesy history. Of, what would it really have been better if Hitler had have had have died? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um. um but yeah, uh, eagle-eared listeners will have identified by now that all of these references to the military point to a episode on Call of Duty, the 2003 first-person shooter, the inaugural game. The only military the, game. The only the only war game ever made. Yeah. Uh, produced by Infinity Ward in 2003. Uh, you play as American soldiers, English soldiers, <clears throat> excuse me, British soldiers and Russian soldiers across the Second World War um, eventually culminating in you raising the uh, hammer and sickle on top of the Reichstag building in Germany which I visited by the way just to, just to drop that in there oh how um, cultured <laughs> and there are, still, there are still bullet holes in the walls outside like they've left them in there I visited um, Berlin and the Reichstag was closed because oh. it was the World Cup I think, or the Euro Cup was really? going on. Because I was there during the World Cup as well. The World oh. Cup when? I don't... It was 2014. I don't... Or no, 2012. Oh. I think oh, that was the no, Euro. I was there before then. Uh, that, would be the, that would be the Euro, yeah, because it was the World Cup in 2010. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. Uh, call anyway, it to me. Anyway, call Patrick, to me. Yeah, have it, you been to Berlin? <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm not allowed to go. <laughs> oh, Okay. 
I'll tell you what, Berlin, it, it took my breath away. Anyone? No. Mm, yeah. No, don't Sorry. get that joke. The band yeah. Berlin did the song Take My Breath Away. Forget oh. it. Oh, really? Oh, come on. Should we just restart this episode? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's it. We're, we're doing it. People like a bit of back and forth. You know, they want they want, they want, want relatable interviewers and, and presenters and writers and stuff. They want to be your friends. <laughs> so they like listening to our, our, our patter. Uh, <laughs> Call of Duty is a t- 2003 war game by Infinity Ward. Uh, Infinity Ward, it's worth noting right from the offset, um, was spun off by people who were working on another World War II series called Medal of Honor um, which itself was spun off from the film Saving Private Ryan in 1998 so there's like a rich history of uh, World War II resurgence in fiction which results in Call of Duty in 2003 Uh, I don't think anybody whether you've played this game or played any game at all needs to be told that Call of Duty has obviously since become the probably is it like the best-selling franchise in the world, or is that yeah, goes like one of the sports games? It's certainly uh, up there, isn't it? It's very popular. It's very popular. It's very popular. It's done um, quite well for itself. It has. It has. It's done well for itself, and arguably very badly for everyone else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we will talk about as we will talk about. So let's let's try to uh, let's try to stay focused to begin with, at least on the original game. Um, before we get talking about the the legacy of Call of Duty, rich as it is, um, basic question to begin with. Let's go with Reed first. Reed, overall mm-hmm. thoughts, original Call of Duty, yes or no? Um, <laughs> yes or no? Uh, uh, yes. Yes. I, I I I like this game. It's hard to tell if it has to do with um, if it has to do with having played it a bunch of times and it being sort of the only game I had on a computer for quite a while and and all of that and just some fond memories but I replaying it again for the first time in you know decade plus uh, before this show I, I think it's um, I, th- I think there's a lot uh, worth liking about it I think there's a lot that is not good in it but I think overall it's um, it, it still it still does something it's uh, okay. it's derivative and it's um, maybe a bit tone mm. tone deaf and a lot of other things, but um, just the uh, the design of, of the levels and the the pace of the campaign itself and you know it's it's I think a, a very well made game you know which would I think end up being even when a Call of Duty game is is not good I think those games are always they have a certain something to them that. That keeps them moving and makes them. You can admire them just on a pure sort of craftsmanship level. And that uh, game, this game, definitely has that. Patrick, we got a a slightly disagreeing mmm there when Reed described it as derivative. I think it's interesting to call this game derivative because it's. I kind of view it, and I'm not sure historically if this is necessarily correct, but I kind of view it as the template um, from which we have sort of been deriving since 2002 or whenever it was that this was released. I um, yeah, I agree with you on that. So we should come granted, back, it's come not back the to first that. it's it's not the first military shooter obviously, but um, I think it is certainly one of the larger um, examples, especially considering that it has spawned 
essentially an entire like sub genre. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like that it's it's I think it's shooting. derivative. But this is this is the sort of fundamental um, tension, I guess, in Call of Duty. It's derivative, definitely, of films. The, the yep. Russian section, right, seems also when you when you consider the fact that the American campaign, which com- composes the first uh, third of this game, they are essentially just remaking Band of Brothers. Yeah, there's there's a lot of. Uh, I should have written them down, but there, you know, there's there's moments and almost <clears throat> dialogue lifted from Band of Brothers. The Russian campaign seems like it would give the makers of Enemy of the State grounds for a copyright suit. Um, mm. Enemy at the gates, Ed. Enemy at the gates. Enemy of the state, isn't that the enemy? Of the, enemy of the state's the, the Will, Will Smith, Smith Gene Hackman's really bad yeah. film. Uh, enemy at the gates isn't terrific, and yet the makers of no. Call of Duty saw fit to rip it off almost in its entirety, the opening section at least. Um, so Call of Duty, yeah, it, it certainly lifts over and over again from war movies. Uh, and that, to me, is is what separates it from Medal of Honor, which I'll get into later, we'll get into later. But as you say, Patrick, it also provides a an outline for how games, particularly Call of Duty games, but also shooters in general, big shooters look today I, I wondered if you could give um, you know some examples like what do you think when you play the original Call of Duty now either of you when when you play that game is there anything specifically that jumps out to you straight away and you think well that's that's still around now Yeah, actually one of the things I was thinking while I was playing it was a game like Call of Duty uh, and this will sound counterintuitive but a game like Call of Duty I don't think would get made today um, it is incredibly simplistic, and I think the word I used when I was talking to you about it was uncomplicated, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in that there's no narrative twist, or even really a narrative arc. Um, there's nothing to collect, there's nothing that you have to keep track of other than just moving forward and shooting people. It's very straightforward, um, and when it's done, it just kind of ends. There's no real climax. Um, you kind of complete the last mission, and you're it just sort of is over Mm. um and i really liked that because i played it in like two afternoons um and it's short and sweet and very momentum driven um and there weren't really any parts like there would be in games today where you kind of get hung up on them um Mm -hmm. but i I don't think it's got enough uh for lack of a better word stuff to Mm. carry it through a release in 2017 Uh, that's yeah I think that's part of what makes it so admirable is yeah there there's a you know just a an idea that what they have what they're doing is good enough you know it's it's good enough they were, to yeah they were making an episode of band of brothers and that was all that they wanted to do and yeah and then you can throw that into a into a multiplayer setting too and you know i was mm-hmm. i never i didn't play much multiplayer of this ever because I don't think I had the internet for it back in the day, and now, uh, unless there's some, you know, group of fanatics hanging out in a cellar running their own Call of Duty server. It wouldn't surprise me. They have to be in a cellar, though, otherwise it won't work. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I think um, you're right about that, Patrick. I think this, the things that it, it sort of established, though, are... Uh, that that pacing and the even though the the narrative is is pretty bare bones, I think it's um, 
I think what's interesting in the first Call of Duty is how it has these, you know, the, and these things have been done before, but I don't think they've been done in such a focused, directed, sort of mainstream-ready way as as the first Call of Duty, where they have, you know, uh, sections of the game like that that Enemy of the Gates ripoff Stalingrad intro, where you don't even fire a shot. You know, you're just um, you're just kind of surrounded by the scene of chaos as they're trying to uh, your character is essentially just trying not to die and find someone else who can help them to find a gun uh, and cover them and, and that whole you know it's it's a good 10 minutes or something it's the length of many other levels in the game and it exists entirely to you know, sort of establish stakes and to make you feel a certain way to portray the uh, Soviet forces in a certain way and that's the kind of thing that I think um one of the big things that would sort of set the stage for how shooters are made, um, you know, hopping from sort of very distinct-looking places, um, you know, going from being a British soldier in or an American soldier in France to a Soviet soldier in uh, Russia in Poland, uh, being a British soldier in I think some of them are in France. I think they go into Germany and Austria as well. But you know, hopping around and and doing all this stuff that is essentially taking one of the smart lessons from films that games still don't take properly, which is how to tell a story so that you remain engaged with the story throughout. You know, um, uh, how how to say, this is the kind of game we have, it's an action game, and we want the player to stay excited, and saying, you know, this is sort of how much time we have, this is how many levels we should have, this is how they should be arranged, this is when it's time to switch perspectives. Um, this is when it's time to go from, you know, running around trying to flank enemies to being mm-hmm. in a tank to shooting out of a, you know, riding a jeep and shooting at people chasing you. I think it's it's you know all of that stuff is very original and focused in this game, and that's sort of what you want. I or think for the longest what, time, what they found was a semi poetry between. We want to give people a variety of things to do and experience mechanically and in terms of playing a video game. And also we want a variety of perspectives narratively. And there's a there's a sort of marriage there, you know, uh, because it gives them an excuse to give you a tank level where you're playing as a Russian, give you a kind of one-man army level where you're playing as a SAS trooper behind German lines and give mm. you a sort of large-scale, you know, spectacular like static defense level when you're playing as the Americans and they've got there's a there's a harmony there between mm-hmm. trying to sort of impress that World War Two was uh, fought by lots of different people in lots of different places and also in giving players lots of different things to do where I I, I don't like this game I, I don't like it at all and I, I think that the reason I don't like it is because it, it strikes me as remarkably um, empty and very very designed and and, uh, heartless in a way that I think Call of Duty has sometimes slipped into and other times really done a great job of pulling itself out of but this first one to me feels so thoroughly constructed to be financially and popular, uh, popularly successful, 
as opposed mm-hmm. to anything else. Like it, it's it's built, and historically and sort of behind the scenes, it is built specifically to destroy and overtake the Medal of Honor series. And I feel like I can't not see that throughout its entirety. And and I think a lot of the things that it um, it now in the kind of airbrushed video game history the things that we might now attribute to Call of Duty doing first it is actually stealing or at least tweaking and building on first from Medal of Honor but also from uh, war movies um, I uh, hmm, okay I mean I would to go back to you know what I said right at the beginning too where I think I agree with Patrick that this this game sort of sets the template um, for, you know, not just Call of Duty as a series, an incredibly popular series, but shooters <clears throat> as a whole, uh, though that might be changing in the last year or so, um, while still saying it's derivative. That's that's what I agree with, is that um, the feel of the game, what it's trying to make you feel and what it's trying to show you is none of it feels like... Uh, none of it is, is original. You know, everything is is lifted from something else and I think back when I played it around the time it came out when I was a lot younger and didn't play nearly as many games I was fine with that you know it felt novel that hey I've just finished watching Band of Brothers on TV I like that look at this game it's just Band of Brothers more of that yeah you know but uh, that stuff I think what what it makes it sort of a problem is that I don't know, it's just kind of regurgitating a shallower version of um Well, all right, that's I was thinking about this a lot while playing it because yeah, the game takes the source material i.e. Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan and really just makes it a game. It doesn't really do anything with it. Right. But is that okay? Well, I I think that comparing Call of Duty to Band of Brothers is very charitable to Call of Duty. I well on a on like an aesthetic. Well, sure, yeah. It's like yeah. in the most superficial way. Yeah, in the loosest sense of the term comparison. Be- because Band of Brothers is you know interested in in dialogue and um, it's a character drama. Yeah, you know, and, and Call of Duty is the is the almost like polar opposite of that. Um, and yeah, I think that's a pretty big difference between war movies and war games is war yeah. movies or at least the good ones are about the people but in the war the 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 thing that um bothers me particularly about quality i'm going to keep referencing medal of honor because i i shall i i feel like i know something of the the history of these two games and it might be worth laying that out well yeah i think so yeah i'd be curious because i just have sort of the broad <coughs> strokes of that um so I, I did over the past like year or two I've done articles on the making of uh, the first Medal of Honor Medal of Honor Frontline and then Call of Duty Finest Hour which was the first console uh, Call of Duty game um, so the original Medal of Honor was was financed by Steven Spielberg he opened a studio mm-hmm. he, had a, he had a game studio called DreamWorks Interactive mm-hmm. and of the success of Saving Private Ryan he uh, backed the creation of the original Medal of Honor. And then Medal of Honor, you know, snowballed into a, a series of its own. And Vince Sampella and Jason West, 
who are I, I can't remember exactly their titles but they're two of the founders of Infinity Ward Mm. Uh, and you know, directors or like lead programmers or or something like that. I believe Zampella was a producer. Right. I think Jason West was a programmer or a coder. Um, I th- I think that's right. I remember looking for their names on the y- yeah. credits of this one. And you know, they're the, they're the, the 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 two sort of creative minds, if you like, aren't they? Between behind the the original Call of Duty and a lot of them afterwards. Anyway, uh, they originally worked on the Medal of Honor series. They worked at uh, DreamWorks and then EA. EA purchased DreamWorks on Medal of Honor. And their baby was Medal of Honor Allied Assault, if anyone ever played mm-hmm. that. Which is they a, did, yeah. a PC Medal of Honor game. Now, Allied Assault opened with a recreation of Steven Spielberg's D-Day scene from Saving Private Ryan. Okay, It was then decided, because Allied Assault became very successful it was then decided by EA which had now purchased control of the Medal of Honor series from Steven Spielberg it was decided that Medal of Honor Frontline which was being developed kind of concomitantly to Allied Assault needed a D-Day scene also Mm -hmm. and they ordered that one be put in so at the beginning of Medal of Honor Medal of Honor Frontline you play as this like behind enemy lines SOE agent and it makes no sense that you're involved in the, the D-Day landing whatsoever it's very artificial um, but nevertheless it's there Jason West and Vince Ampella depart from EA to go and form Infinity Ward some of the people who worked on Frontline who were frustrated with EA's meddling and insisting on this D-Day level they left also, like 30 of them left on the same day and they formed a studio called Spark which is the studio which ended up making Call of Duty Finest Hour so you have this sort of bitter irony in that West and Zampella make this D-Day level EA insists that Frontline have one also mm-hmm. West and Zampella break off to make Call of Duty, this more bombastic spectacular sort of movie based World War 2 series the people who'd worked on Frontline, frustrated at it becoming a more bombastic, spectacular, movie-based game, break off, but in a cruel twist of fate, end up working on the Call of Duty series. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a really, there's like a through line from Saving Private Ryan right up until Call of Duty, right up until now, if you like. Yeah, I would say so. And what bothers me about the first Call of Duty, as opposed to a game like Medal of Honor Frontline, is Call of Duty really throws its weight around. Call of Duty is so determined to to tell you that this is the war from different perspectives, this is the war, and we're showing you something, we're, we're kind of educating you, almost, you know, it's like we're, we're giving you all these different perspectives, and from that you might get a more nuanced understanding of the Second World War. Medal of Honor Frontline, you play as the same guy, but the story in Medal of Honor Frontline isn't lifted from films, like the like the scenes in the first Call of Duty. The story in Medal of Honor Frontline is really the product of research, and between levels you get these little presentations given with this this sort of quite warm voiceover, telling you the the history of like you know a Nazi weapons program or uh, like a dam that was built in Heidelberg or something like this, and you get these like background details that you'd never heard of before in World War Two. And that to me is is kind of like more fulfilling. And Call hmm. of Duty is this this sort of like louder but but less nuanced uh, and and sort of basically uh, like 
more brash take on the Second World War, which nevertheless, nevertheless, purports to be, uh, you know, more thorough. And that's that's what I find kind of disagreeable about it. What I would say, just right off the bat with that, is... I mean, I, I've i wanted to go back and play some of the, uh, you know, the non-kind of rebranded, rethought-of, present-day modern uh, modern warfare, Medal of Honor games, because I played a smattering of those uh, growing up. Um, I remember Frontline probably the best. Um, but what always kind of hit me about those games is that you felt isolated in them. You felt like you were a you were very much a one-man army, mm. you know, uh, which I think is supported by, I, I know the, at least the first one is you're playing as, was an OSS agent or something like that? Yes. Yeah. I uh, said SOE, but that's the, that's the British version. Excuse me. Yeah. OSS. That's right. Um, and you are and in front line as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that's completely fine. That's, that's the, uh, the story that they want to tell. And I think Call of Duty for all its, faults which are many um the you know the even the name of it and and what it's trying to be and how it tries to um you know it tries to make itself more solemn in a way that it it (laughs) feels like it's really trying but it doesn't quite know how to do it it's like a robot trying to cry or something right Mm. (laughs) um but it has this stuff where you know you start off that that first level when you're uh parachute in in advance of Normandy landings and you're supposed to blow up some flat guns and, and meet up with with the some other uh, some other American soldiers and then so you're alone and it feels very much you know this is what yes this is what World War II games were it's it's you behind enemy yeah. lines mm-hmm. kind of sabotaging mm-hmm. and uh, and then you meet up with your squad and there are you know moments where um, it's showing things like the the opening Normandy sections where you know you have an objective at one point that's basically just a medic needs to run out and and retrieve a soldier and you need to just cover him you know you just need Mm -hmm. to suppress Uh, there are a lot of things which now seem like oh these are just things that you would put in a war shooter but you know there's lots of segments where it's suppress that building you know, mm-hmm. or we are going to cover you. You're going to hold run. this area. Yeah, hold this area, and there are people around you, and they. I don't know if it's a limit of the technology or just a, a lack of really caring, um, but you know that they they get shot next to you. I think sometimes they die, but it's not. Uh, you know, it, it's very. It you don't feel anything. It's it's not. But but when it came out, it felt like something. It felt chaotic and, and frightening mm-hmm. and uh, you know there are still moments in it I think where you're being pinned down by a, a you know a, a mounted gun or something and it feels frightening you know the sound yeah. the sound work is, I think is actually still exceptional but that's something else especially in some of the later like Stalingrad levels for example yeah um, those are terrifying I, like when... I was excuse sorry no it's okay uh, well, I was going to say I would agree that I mean there's that there's that fantastic moment in the first level proper of Call of Duty where I think I mentioned this to to both of you in a message where you've landed into Paris beyond enemy lines at uh, Paris excuse me all over the place tonight <laughs> that France. was quick that was that was, that was poor this um, is no this is alternate history podcast <laughs> what would have happened if they had landed in Paris. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that would have been attacking the Normandy beach from the other direction. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you you land behind enemy lines in France, and like you say, Reed, it it it's almost as you know the game saying, "Yep, this is the typical World War Two game. You're behind <coughs> enemy lines. You're a saboteur." And then after maybe two or three minutes, you look up to the sky, and you know there's dozens of parachutes, yeah. and it's like this really mm-hmm. delicious moment where the game is saying, "Aha, you know, got you." Actually, this is a bigger game this is about the group this is about the army not about you know the individual this is about the struggle rather than the sort of uh, mythical video game protagonist and i i really enjoyed that moment as well and i i appreciate what you're saying about the bit with the medic you know dragging a guy back into the trench and there's that other good level where uh you have to just drive from your position to the enemy uh, to your excuse me hq in in a car and it feels sort of yeah. like lo-fi and sort of improvised and, um, you know, like tactile and, and genuine. What I would say is that Medal of Honor Frontline in particular has that as well. That I, uh-huh. I, I wouldn't yeah. credit that to Call of Duty. There's a great... I, I would say that the, the second half of that, Ed, is that it doesn't do anything unique in that regard I, that other World War II games of the era aren't doing as well. Yeah, there's there's a there's a level in Medal of Honor Frontline called Arnhem Knights, which is set during the, the uh, Operation Market Garden. And if we're talking about feeling scared or, or, or feeling like put upon or, you know, a sense of people dying around you, that, that level... Wait, I kind of remember that. Is, are yeah. you, are you uh, in a rural area? Or not a rural in, area, um, like a, a town. In, yeah, you're in Arnhem. In, yeah. in the Netherlands, and you're meeting up with um, this this dispatch of British soldiers. Right, and, and you're kind of you've... going through backyards and things, right? Yeah, and, exactly. and houses. Yeah, yeah I remember. From, you have to get from great. one end of town to another, basically. And you've got this this music that's sung by this kind of choir playing over the top. And I mean, it's a little saccharine, but still, it's for, particularly for 2001, which is when I love on the frontline launch. It's it's affecting. Or was it 2002? It's definitely before the first Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so you've got that in Medal of Honor Frontline, which I think makes me slightly hesitant to credit Call of Duty with it, first of all. Right. The other thing is that Call of Duty has something that Medal of Honor doesn't, which is kill objectives. Like, Call, mm. of, Call of Duty, a lot of your objectives are, you've like, literally, if you check the objectives menu, is you've got to kill 20, 15, 10 soldiers. Mm-hmm. And Patrick, I said to you, there was a moment in the original Call of Duty where the game quote clicked for me but in the opposite sense mm-hmm. of what click normally means as in I suddenly realised that it wasn't very good and that was in the Stalingrad level in the apartment block where you're just waiting where you, you have are to kill just the two tanks. killing and ki- and it's a meat grinder yeah. I mean that is right. soulless in the way that I think I remember describing the helicopter level in 50 cent blood on the sand as soulless it's just you're kind of looking into like the bottom of the well of what video games you know might be when it's just, you know, the, the the German soldiers are just targets, and it's just hold down the fire button until you have to reload, and then hold it down again, and it's mm-hmm. it's just a meat grinder. And that moment for me, that level, really, really threw into question the rest of Call of Duty. That that sort of exposed, I think, something that it was trying to hide the entire time. See, well, hearing hearing the history Ed, as explained by you kind of makes a lot of things clear. Let me let me um, just clarify and say that's an anecdotal history from interviews. Um, even so. Yeah. Even so. Um, I think it is clear, it, and it's fairly clear even just playing through the game, but contextualizing it helps. It's, it is clear that 
this is not meant to be a game about World War II. This is a game about World War II movies. Mm. I.e., it assumes not only that the audience has uh, a background going in, but the audience has a specific background. I.e., not just that you have seen war movies, but that you have seen Band of Brothers and that you have seen Saving Private Ryan, which is why the American campaign, which is by far the strongest part of the game, is first... And why it drops off significantly in quality, um, just from like a design perspective. After that, because they ran out of popular material to tap, um, and I think it shows tremendously. The if you contrast the um, the Normandy missions with the Stalingrad missions, they're drastically different, just in terms of the objectives that they present you with and the sorts of literal in-game mechanical things that they have you doing. Um, you could tell that they were really struggling to fill up. Uh, player objective space by the time you get to the last third. Um, yeah. I... Yeah. <laughs> I had something. I think so, too. I think so, too. I, I, I agree, Patrick. Before, sorry, Bree, before you... Before you no, start. no, no. I, I agree. I, I think that... I think there's a lot of excitement at the beginning of the first Call of Duty. We're going to get rid of Medal of Honor. We've got all this like great material from Steven Spielberg movies and the old Medal of Honor games to sort of play with. Let's do it. And then the game, those some of those levels in the Stalingrad section are so sort of arid, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a train station comprising like a couple of textures. That that Reichstag mission at the end is such a puff of air. It's really yeah, considering it's, it's the climax of the game. It, yeah, it's really abandoned and it's short and it it's it's very very very. It's full of um, fast that level. I mean, when you when you look at things like that, which which I agree, um, I, I think you see though at certain points the the limits of of whatever. You know, and this is not in any way meant to excuse what it is, because it is what it is. It's a game that exists, um, but you see them kind of straining. I think at the limits of you know their their conception of what they can do is maybe bigger than than uh, technology or budget allows. Like that, you know, the storm in the Reichstag is is supposed to, I think, feel triumphant and uh, like you have. You know, at the very beginning, when you're taking out sort of the last heavy resistance uh, from the Germans, you're taking out these flat cannons and an enemy tank on, you know, you're crawling around on your belly to figure it out. Um, it, and then you have your tanks rolling in behind you, and it's sort of just a slaughter to the top of the Reichstag. Um, and, and you can see what they're trying to do there. They're, they're trying to make it, you know, the last sort of sacrifice and then the, the triumphant push. Um, but it doesn't feel that way because when you, you know, when you're outside, in the square in front of the Reichstag, and you you look around, it's it's it is very barren. There are about five guys with you, you know, and mm-hmm. one tank, and it's uh, which which is not grand in in any sense. Mm. Um, and this is well, this is the constriction that I think Medal of Honor did a better job of flowing through by giving you like one guy and by putting you behind enemy lines. It's still able to show you a lot of kind of World War Two history, and I think it it conveys. Uh, you know the objective again. Reed, we had this conversation, but the objective throughout Medal on a front line is that you need to retrieve this this German fighter plane prototype. Right. And yeah. And the the insinuation is that if they get this thing in the air, it's going to change the tide of the war. So although you're not on the big battlefields, you still like have this this implied sense of stakes, and you know the 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 war is kind of being fought and lost 
uh, in these levels, even though there's not as many kind of on-screen people and, and bodies. Um, whereas I See, think Call of Duty quite nobly, and and I don't I don't belittle them for trying, wanted to go in the other direction. And I think mm-hmm. in that first Stalingrad level, there is like a uh, you know playing that even now, 14 years later, there's a great sense of spectacle there. And um, in another level where you're playing as the British soldiers and you have to defend Pegasus Bridge. Right. Um, That's what I was the, just going to mention. Yeah. And the, the clock's ticking down and as it gets closer to zero, um, this sort of quite solemn music starts to swell and you start to wonder if the reinforcements actually are going to arrive. And there's a, there's a really heavy sense of drama there that's being, that's being sold to you through sight. Um, they are capable of it. I just... A lot of the reviews I read from the time complained that the game was too short. I, I think it, the opposite is true. Uh, I think it drags, mm. um, and they, they they didn't have quite enough material. I don't know. I, I think there are bad levels, but I think it uh, or not even bad levels, but disappointing in in proportion to each other. Mm. Um, sometimes it feels like they are sort of uh, straddling the fence of of what kind of design it is. Like they want it to be a bit more gamey for back, lack of a better word sometimes when they have mm. you know the objectives I think you're right about that I like a lot of the levels in this where you take an area and then you defend it you know because it yep. gives you the mm-hmm. sense of how tenuous uh, it, it could be for this this one you know handful of squads to hold on to something important um, but they do that sometimes I think you're right about that level in uh somewhere in western Russia or something where you take that building in the winter um, and then you have to hold it against the, the Nazis as they come and it, it just is interminable and you're just you know I, anyway I'm getting bogged down in my own thinking about that too because then I'm thinking about I wonder if some of what this game is trying to communicate is the just I, I think this is too generous but sometimes you know you're mowing down so many just identical Nazis in their in their helmets and, and they look faceless and everything and and you start to feel a little something about the uh, just the loss of life even in a digital environment but that might be just you know you're in this thing and you're trying to take something grander out of it than, mm. than what it's giving you because I think this game is is largely uh, it doesn't know how to express emotion or does doesn't have a, a full I also don't particularly think that's its its goal either. But it gestures toward it so often, you know. It has those. Well, it gestures toward it in the way that an episode of Band of Brothers does, where you know there's a really big, noble sacrifice moment or a climactic battle, and the music swells, and all they they get out of it, and it's okay. But like, but Band of Brothers, I, there was that, you know, there there are episodes of that where, again, something else. It's been a long time since I've seen, but there there are things in that show that are devastating. You know, yeah, I, I think they they do a good job of a making you care about those characters, not as not as faceless, you know, soldiers doing interesting soldier things, but as people who are, you know, have families at home and have hopes and desires and motivations beyond just shooting. Um, but Call of Duty does that thing where you know you die and it has this quote about the you know the wastes of war and the glory of of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but it means it means nothing, and it has, you know. Well, because they throw you right back into it. Well, exactly, and and it has these you know swells of supposed to be heartrending music that happen at pivotal moments, 
which you know like that Pegasus bridge level it's it's dramatic but it doesn't it doesn't mean anything you know it doesn't you don't feel anything when when the little robot guy next to you gets shot um, because I, I don't this, think the game cares enough I think this to me is one of the things that when we were talking earlier you know what what do you think has remained of the original Call of Duty throughout the entire length of the Call of Duty series or the Call of Duty franchise this is one of the most this is, this is something with staying power which is the the Call of Duty games really like you say Reed they, they struggle to express emotion I I don't think that they, they're absent of emotion you play Black Ops 3's campaign and that's that is a game that is, is that's probably the closest they've come I think, I think it is I think it is but the the emotion I think in that campaign is 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 kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for but being just sort of so tightly wound and sort of frustrated and like angry there's mm-hmm. you know what I mean like that's a game that's sort of like spitting as it talks uh, and and really sort of it, it's fighting to get something out and it knows it's fighting to get something out and I think that that's Call of Duty on the whole almost is that uh, it, it desperately wants you or not only desperately wants you, it desperately wants itself to say something and to yeah. and to have like a, a a moment. It really wants a moment. I think all of the Call of Duty games are looking for a moment. You know, and yeah, that's that's where you end up with the first Modern Warfare, which mm-hmm. its its moment is a nuclear bomb because they're so desperate to have this moment that they go, oh, d- 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 okay, a nuke. You know what I mean? It's it's they're so determined. But I would say that. Sorry, I was cutting you off. No, but I, all I'd say is I can I, you can see that in Call of Duty that they're always trying to find the moment in the level, and sometimes, most of the time, either they can't or they just have to steal it from a film. I think that this is a pretty clear indication of how far games still have to come. Because again, if you watch Band of Brothers, there are tons of those moments, but they don't detonate a single nuclear bomb in the entire series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that's, all that's it's all character driven stuff. All the really heart wrenching moments from Band of Brothers happen to people that you've come to know. Mm. And Call of Duty either couldn't or didn't care to develop its characters. Um, still, really doesn't. Um, so that's why we keep escalating, kind of fictitiously. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at, I think maybe one of the most uh, uh, absorbing or devastating moments in in sort of modern war films is there's the scene in Saving Private Ryan where uh, Giovanni Rubisi's character I think, is he the one who gets mm. he gets the, sort of... The medic. Yeah, yeah and he, he gets shot in the gut when uh, surprised when they're trucking across the French countryside and it's, you know it's sad because it's a person dying um, but what the film does to reinforce it is show you know these characters huddled around him, and they mm-hmm. they show this person dying in agony, and you know sort of expressing that he's alone in a foreign country, and he misses his family, and he's dying, and nobody can help him. Um, and it's right. it's terrifying, and it's uh, I I think you know I, <laughs> all these World War Two things. It's been a long time since I've seen, but I remember that being. You know, something that stuck with me from that that movie. It's one of the, aside from the openings, the strongest uh, things I took away from that movie. Um, but you have to be willing, I think, to a have the the writers and the performers and directors to to make that scene happen just on basic ex- execution. Um, and then you also have to have the willingness to say, 
I want the viewer, player, audience to to be uncomfortable and to sit yeah. and watch something that you don't want to see, um, which is what you need to do in art a lot of times to to convey a message, right? Mm. And I think that's that's one of the lingering Call of Duty things. It's it's most successful when it when it sort of trades in in symbolism and uh, just broad strokes to communicate points. Like Modern Warfare, I think is maybe the most successful Call of Duty game, and I think that's because it's um, it's it's abstracting uh, different elements of of what was going on in the world in 2007 when it came out. Uh, the characters are completely forgettable. Um, and you know the lingering thing is that these Call of Duty games all have these named characters that I think they they want you to care about, um, and they're they're never developed enough that you you think much of much of them at all. You know, there's a few exceptions maybe in in the games, but it's you know it's I think it says something that the most you know the only sort of marquee character in in Call of Duty in however many games is Captain Price because he has a mustache. You know, that's his. Yep. That's his characteristic. Is this guy has a big mustache? The guy has a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think Modern Warfare. You, you have Captain. You have Captain Price. I, I I give him a little more than a mustache. I think that he he has a, a couple of moments where he seems like a. You you feel like you can rely on him somehow. Um, and what well, the, he's, the, he's been the, alive the, since the Second World War, so <laughs> he's he's very wise. And you've also got the Gaz character, who's got this sort of warm uh, London accent, which which feels very familiar and, and quite distinctive in the sort of cast of voices. And he wears a baseball hat. And he wears a baseball cap, exactly. And, but, I, but I actually think that little touches like that do give these characters a, a, a bit of bite and a bit of familiarity that, that carries them through a, a, a loud action story. And the, the, the master stroke, I think, in modern warfare is that they die at the end. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm so frustrated in Modern Warfare Two when they when they revive Captain Price and oh he didn't die yeah. actually. I think that's so. It's so terrible. Like I, I really prefer to pretend that that game doesn't have that moment and that and Price is is dead at the end of Modern Warfare. And soap um, comes back too, right? You're and soap comes back. Yeah, like, I mean at the end of Modern Warfare when I felt not only does he come back, he gets a voice. Yeah, he gets he a gets... voice and a mohawk, and he's Kevin McKidd from yeah. He gets the train I'd say, spotting. I'd say one of the better voices in the series. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there. First, oh, sorry. I was just gonna, was say, gonna like, say, there are oh, exceptions. God. You know, there are exceptions. When you first played Modern Warfare and it ended with everyone dead, everyone's dead. Uh, that was, you know, people talk about Spec Ops the line, and for for like a for a big war game of 2007 to kill everyone at the end, just to kill every mm-hmm. kill everybody at the end, everyone dies. Um, you know that that felt like it was brushing up against something. Um, it was a shame that they they ducked out of so much of that in the later games. Also, what they what they don't tell you that you have to kind of infer in modern warfare is because these are uh, SAS soldiers, so they're essentially like, pardon the uh, the pun, they're black ops troops. Um, nobody knows that they've died. Yeah, or exactly. Why. Yeah, there's like a, there's an inglorious. So it's not just that yeah, it's that's not uh, even just that they're dying; it's just they're gone. That's yeah. that's the the last. I think it's the last thing you see, and it's very quick. Um, so, you know, you're pardoned not for noticing it, right? But I think it's right before the credits kick in, between when the photo. Uh, no, there's like a very short voiceover. I think of of a newscaster saying, "Yeah, some, something mm-hmm. about an incident in 
a, a minor incident in Russia, uh, you know, did something today, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's you know sort of a attributing you stopping nuclear detonations um, mm-hmm. as as essentially being a you know some sort of mishap in Russia that was dealt with very quickly. And yeah, like the sort of the fifth the fifth news item in the running kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was when that was when Call of Duty impressed me specifically the most. But even the then, first like... game. Sorry, go on. Okay, sorry, I'm cutting you off over and over. No, go ahead, please um, go ahead. I was just gonna say though that even even in those cases, I don't I don't think I cared much about these characters as much as I cared about what they were representing in in the plot. You know, it's right. it's sort of a, a you know punch in the gut that all these soldiers have died, and and you do feel some kind of familiarity with them, but you they. Even at their best, I don't know I don't if they know. feel like people, really. They don't. See, they I don't, never really. I never really did. They what? don't. They don't feel like people. They don't feel like right. fully fleshed out characters. But when I, but there's a there's you know there's sort of tears I guess of of what I'm looking. For. If I go and see, to use a movie analogy, Transformers, like a Nicolas Cage action film, I don't give a fuck about the. I really don't give a fuck about the characters, and I don't right. expect to be asked to give a fuck about the characters. If I go and see. You know, uh, uh, Michael Haneke domestic drama. Yes, then I want you know character characterization. But there's 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 a middle between these two, like the sophisticated blockbuster, The Matrix, yes. Inception, uh, The Dark Knight, where I don't I don't need to be looking at these characters and thinking, my God, they're really telling me something I don't know about the human condition. But I I need to just feel something for them, and that's that's where modern warfare yeah. lands. Yeah. I think. Where I'm not being blown away by any of the sort of games revelations at all, but it's got like a little, just a little bit of like salt, you know. It's it's there's something mm-hmm. there. So maybe now, that is the, the delivering on the promise of of early Call of Duty, where you know, because I was saying before, the tradition is that they have these characters you don't care much about, and then they want you to care when it's convenient for the plot to uh, mm. to say they're dying, it's sad, or they're in trouble. Mm. This is scary. So maybe the best thing is sort of the modern warfare school, or the uh, I think advanced warfare and infinite warfare had some of that too. Of, right. Of they're they're not great characters by any means, but they're characters that you can care about as agents of the plot. You know. Well, I, I would argue that Call of Duty, the one we're talking about today, does not do that. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, is that it? Mm. I think maybe it's trying to do that and it gets there later in the series. Like the only character whose name I can even remember is Captain Foley, um, and that's Foley. just because he's oh, your in... commanding officer on the on most of the missions as you, as the American soldier. Dave Foley. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, he is. And then they bring they bring they they bring that name back in Modern Warfare Two, uh, as well. There's a Foley in Modern Warfare Two. Uh, I um, also fun fun fact fun development fact. Um, the so the other NPCs in mm-hmm. Call of Duty are are not their names aren't set. They used a random name generator that would occasionally pull names of characters from Band of Brothers. Uh, yeah, I so you, I had a you could end up with like a Lieutenant Spears. I had example. a I had a Spears. In, that's in that's squad. that's I think profoundly stupid and kind of fucked up. But I think it also so those are real people. Very, it's very indicative of what exactly they were going for. Well, I mean, I guess it gets right to the heart of how they approached 
the I... uh, historical subject matter, right? If if the names of, mm-hmm. of real soldiers whose uh, lives have been fictionalized become uh, part of a random name generator. Hmm. Like floppy little polygon models who can run out and like get shot and die that, because their that's really AI bizarre. programming isn't quite good. That's really bizarre. Imagine that was your uh, your grandfather's name or something. You know, right? I, right. I think is the easiest way to shortcut to why that's. I don't know. I I mean that's a problem with with. Do we want to move on? Because I could ask a question to you guys that would move things on. I think. Go on. Because I I was just thinking about that and I was. You know, I, I think about this sometimes. I remember thinking about this when I was playing this game. And I think uh, my dad or someone said, well, what's this you're playing? And I said, look, it's a World War II game. Isn't this interesting how it looks so much like whatever? And then I remember feeling this tinge of like embarrassment or shame almost about the enjoyment I was getting. This is old question, but I think it becomes clearer when it's a war game based on actual historic events, you know, where you can look up names of, of people involved, you can look up casualty lists, you can you know, read about what happened in these things as a historical record um, and Call of Duty makes an action movie out of it um, I have complicated feelings about this but I'm kind of curious what you guys think I I feel obligated to be outraged by it but I'm actually not I I it doesn't it doesn't disturb me as much as when it's written on paper it might seem like it ought to um I feel that you know that there is a there is a point at which you need to not fictionalize and not dramatize or at least not make light of right Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's the that's the key. That's the I difference. think that is the difference. I think that what Call of Duty manages to do is, although uh, speaking specifically of the first Call of Duty, although it it might dramatise and fictionalise, it doesn't make light of. Um, I think that you are even if even if the facts are jammy and the the names are whatever, and um, I I think that the game is always encouraging you to to keep a, a straight face and hmm. to. To play it with a with a, like an implied respect, um, a, a respect that's maybe not matched by how the subject matter is treated, and certainly not matched by how the subject matter is treated by later Call of Duty games when they deal with you know the the Second Gulf War and the War on Terror. Um, but I, I think that I think that it, it it kind of gets a pass from me because it 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 might play fast and loose with some of the facts, but it doesn't lose sight of this really happened I'll I kind of I I more agree with you Ed than I think I do with Reed Um, my thought process is I think it's fine as long as what you're doing is in service to the event and the people and not to the action Mm -hmm. Um, I think games specifically can be a really um, effective way of learning about history and learning about the things that happened. Like, most of my knowledge of European geography and geopolitics comes from the hours and hours and hours I spent playing Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis, for example. Um, That's how I know what medieval politics was like at all. Um, Similarly, most of my knowledge of World War II comes from playing video games, which is 
as we're kind of discussing here, not necessarily the best, but I think it is possible to use that medium in a respectful way. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think we have been the past few years, but I think at least, I think they think they are. I'll say that, mm -hmm. which I know is non-committal. I agree. But I think they think they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying I, uh, I would condemn Call of Duty as, you know, this shouldn't exist, rah rah rah. But I think, with any art, or you know, form of entertainment that wants to fictionalize in some way a, a historical event of, you know, any historical event that, uh, you know, especially at the scale of a, of a world war, I think has, takes on, assumes a certain amount of responsibility that mm -hmm. it has to be more careful about what it's saying. But um, this is, this is another needle that I think Medal of Honor threaded very well, because what it actually, what it had on the screen was not necessarily things that happened. You know, mm -hmm. made up a lot of his battles, but they were they were characterized and sort of incentivized. You know, your, your your objectives were based on real things, but the actual battles that you were taking part in were fictional. Well, and that's why. Oh, sorry. It, well, it was it was simultaneously to me what Patrick's saying about Crusader Kings and, and learning about European geography, for example. Medal of, Medal of Honor Frontline was was both more educational in the sense it was telling me about things from World War Two that I didn't know about, whereas Call of Duty just told me things that I'd already seen in the films, and also more entertaining because uh, I I had I didn't have to have like a conscience as such going into its many gunfights. I wasn't being sort of dragged down by the. It's got like the, the the tone of that game is like an Indiana Jones film, but mm -hmm. there's still the level of respect it gives to the Second World War is still higher than Call of Duty, nevertheless, because it it has like a more rugged factual basis somehow. Mm -hmm. if, I, I I yeah, I, Medal of Honor Frontline is. I can't help but place the two games in direct competition because of the history between them, and I I I think that it's 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 Call of Duty done so much better. And hmm. I'm really sorry that the Medal of Honor series was killed. Not just killed, but I mean, when it came back in 2010, they tried to reboot it. Wow, they flubbed it real hard. Well, it it was indicative of just how sort of powerful Call of Duty had become because all they tried to do was copy Call of Duty. You know, their mm -hmm. their former competitor, which they were much better than, they were now trying to emulate and to you know. Well, I think they had returns. Good intentions. So the with. Uh, saying naming the countries and events you know yeah the yeah the obvious question then ed is if medal of honor was as i think we're agreed on here the better of the two games mm. why is call of duty the one that survived what is it about call of duty that not only lasted but seeped into everything else around it, it developed well, opposable in, thumbs i think in 2000 i think in 2003 it was very novel to be able to play something that looked and felt like a movie I don't think that had really mm -hmm. happened before. I mean, it, it you know movie games had, had come out before, and existed, but the the fidelity in Call of Duty in two thousand and three was unprecedented. The most exciting part of Frontline for everyone was the D Day level. I think anyone can remember showing that to somebody who didn't play mm -hmm. video games and saying, "Look what games can do now." You've seen Private. That Rainbow. was actually the entire reason I played Allied Assault was based on that one scene. I had a friend who said, "You have to check this out." Yeah. it's just like Saving Private. You've Ryan. seen Saving Private Ryan, now you can play it, and that we've never we've never come this close to feeling like we're in films before. And Call of Duty gave people that. The other thing is that Medal of Honor have been going a long time. 
You had Medal of Honor, Medal of Honor Underground, Medal of Honor Orlando Soul, Medal of Honor Frontline, and then Medal of Honor Rising Sun. They had been going a while, and, and the well was maybe drying out a little bit. And I hate to say this, because this is, this is conjecture, and this is me assuming what was in other people's minds, and, and um, kind of... Uh, like naysaying where I don't really have like the, the factual backup. But, I, but we're I, professional critics. We're allowed to do that. I think based on conversations I've had with people who were around at the studio at the time, I think Electronic Arts ran that series into the dirt because they insisted on doing Medal of Honor Rising Sun against the uh, advice of people who've been working on the series for a long time. They insisted on doing a bigger game set in the Pacific Theatre uh, and kind of upping the spectacle and basically trying to take on Call of Duty at, w at what was now its own game hmm. rather than doing what Medal of Honor was and the people who worked on Medal of Honor were experienced with and good at and I think that that's why Medal of Honor died is because it, it tried to compete with Call of Duty on its own ground so to that point a similarly obnoxious question is I think it's clear that Modern Warfare at the very least Call of Duty 4 changed um at least in part whom these games were being made for mm -hmm. um i think i think it's safe to say that call of duty might have actually been the proper genesis point of that and i wanted to pick both of your brains on that mm. or was call of duty still just a video game ass video game <laughs> reed what do you think i don't know i was it, if you want to talk about like the mainstream audience who would be peaked by sort of a, a quick a quick look at whatever mm -hmm. these these things were i was yeah. i was into uh like I, I wasn't playing much of anything and just spottily kind of here and there and if a friend had something or i could uh rent something once in a while and i thought medal of honor and call of duty were sort of the same thing to me at the time right right they were call of duty was exciting in as much as when a friend showed it to me on his computer it looked and sounded a lot better. It looked cool. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, I've been watching Band of Brothers, so I thought, well, here it is in video game form, um, mm. which I think Medal of Honor, you know, very clearly was, here's um, Safe and Private Ryan in video game form. Mm. So, I mean, it was literally designed to be that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they, <laughs> they were both, you know, what if uh, uh, some team came out tomorrow and said we have the new you know tightly designed iteration on you know a bunch of imagine Titanfall instead was a <laughs> was a World War 2 game or, or mm. something and it or a modern war game and it picked up the same thing I, I think it's just a continuation I mm. I think the the this is something I want to get back to at some point but the lack of of uh, actual depth to how World War II is portrayed in these games is is what causes them to burn out rather than anything else. I think people... Mm -hmm. I think that's why people maybe jumped to Call of Duty because it looked... Or, or Call of Duty became a more exciting prospect because A, it just it's a different name for a series. It's, you know, like Ed said, there were so many Medal of Honor games that you just have a different name and you go, oh, okay, well that's the new one. That's the, that's the one to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, they were... They were all skimming the same surface over and over and over again, and uh, and I think not not saying much of anything, uh, as far as I can I really remember. Do, I really do think that um, the 
the promise of it's going to be just like the movies slash the TV show uh, is what kind of brought Call of Duty to so many people because more people were watching TV and playing uh, watching TV and movies than were playing games mm-hmm. and I, I can I can only vouch for this from kind of personal experience but I remember playing a Call of Duty game it was a console one I didn't have a gaming PC a console game called Call of Duty uh, the big red one about the the American first infantry unit and that more than the Call of Duty game we're talking about here that is Band of Brothers the game like the the hmm. the the patter and the the sort of <coughs> back and forth between the characters and their respective histories and you sort of stay with the same unit from the beginning of the game all the way through and you know various people die and various people are introduced and um the 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 band of brothers essence there is very 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 thick and i play that game over and over and over again in lieu of playing Medal on a rising sun because i wanted band of brothers the game when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old and, and well, this had never been done before. Yeah, it's the equivalent of when you were a kid. If, uh, you know, I was I was pumped when someone had the Genesis Jurassic Park game, you know? Yeah. Because I'd seen mm-hmm. that movie so many times that even, you know, you you just want... It's the, the whole idea of anything licensed is you just want, uh, <laughs> I don't know, the good association. Yeah. More of the thing that you already know that you like. Even yeah. if it doesn't have what you like so much from the original one, it's it's... An expansion of that, and you can carry your positive association into something else. That's. I think we all know that Trespasser was a better version of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If we could figure out a way to get that, I really want to do that. The people, here. the people who worked, on, a lot of people who worked on Trespasser worked on the first Medal of Honor. Hmm. Trail- that's, a, that's not surprising. There's a weird, weird connection. They're both DreamWorks interactive games. And Trespasser um, is uh, the Lost World. Trespasser, isn't it? Like the yeah. So it's still Spielberg, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I think that was that was that might have been the game that DreamWorks Interactive was founded to make. Um, <laughs> and it's certainly the first game that Christopher Cross, who guested on this show some time ago, mm-hmm. uh, who who directed the first Medal of Honor, that was the game he was hired to work on was Trespasser. Oh, really? Um, it gets a bad rap, yeah. but it's fine. I've, I've he, never I've never played it. I. Uh, you know, I just know the legend of Trespasser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It he, is. He it's like Daikatana in that it's bad because it was going to be a lot of things that it wasn't really. Anytime you're doing something drastically new, um, if you don't know exactly don't what ex- you're doing, then yeah. Um, well, thus Call of Duty, which had so many things to base itself off of, and like a, such a firm template for success already. You well, know. yeah, you can't you can't fail with that idea. You can't. Um, Medal of Honor worked. Saving Private Ryan had worked. Band of Brothers had worked. You know the the World War Two resurgence, and it is worth calling it a resurgence because World War Two movies were not around in right. like a vast quantity before 1998, or you know from you know the, they, the 60s and 70s up until yeah. There's a there's a push in the 60s. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah especially yeah. a lot of really good English World War Two films came out. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and then yeah, they kind of went away until. Yeah, the 90s when they started making like Thin Red Line, mm-hmm. etc. Well, I think it's kind of worth noting too that, you know, when you look at, and I think this kind of ties a lot of this different stuff we've talked about together and also kind of forecasts into the future where they have these rumors of, you know, this this year, 2017's Call of Duty being a return to World War II. Um, and I, I think there's something about when Saving Private Ryan came out, aside from, you know, Steven Spielberg being when Steven Spielberg's at his best 
he uh, he manages to uh, kind of do very you know he's the man who invented the blockbuster you know mm-hmm. uh, and he he's, he's very good at making them uh, but he he's also a filmmaker who has I think a heart you know and a brain sometimes too much of a heart in some of his some of his worst movies like that horse going across World War One battlefields. Ooh. Oh my that? god. What a, yeah, I do. Yeah, that was that was Spielberg, I think, just sort of giving too much heart <laughs> in something. The, the wolves. Um but I think the thing about, you know, when the when there was this resurgence uh in, in the late nineties, it was ninety eight or whatever, right, when Safe and Private Ryan came out. Um there was the achievement of something. I remember one of my older brothers went and saw it, uh, and I hadn't heard of it, he came back and he couldn't shut up about this this movie um and it was something about the it was a technical achievement too right it wasn't just uh mm-hmm. it's, it's a well-written movie it's it's extremely well performed and it has i think a good story um but it was also you know it was a technical achievement that that opening d-day sequence is not just a director working uh you know a very talented director working very well but it's also something that you couldn't have made 20 years earlier, right? And then when you have these these games, and I think you have uh, something like Call of Duty kind of trying to capture more of, of this war story, um, but with greater fidelity. And then you have, I think now, one thing that's kind of exciting in a, in a way that I think will prove disappointing is that if they go back to World War II again now, it's also with greater fidelity. You know, you can do more. Mm-hmm. You can have more soldiers on screen. You can try to communicate the uh, the size and, and scale of of these horrible, you know, events. Um, but I don't think in a lot of these cases, I think what games consistently lose sight of when they when they try to do these things is you had, you know, Save and Private Ryan come out, and that movie was also saying something about what this war was you know as sort of elementary a a statement as it is it was saying something about what's important in in a war and what's lost in a war uh band of brothers did that as well and then you have the hangers on in in games that i don't think care about the history as anything other than and it's a setting it's a setting it's a look and sound right you know if you say to someone i don't know just someone who doesn't give much of a shit about video games. He said, "New Call of Duty is going to be in World War II." They might say, "Oh, you know, uh, those guns are fun to shoot. <laughs> you know, they're different than mm. modern assault rifles to shoot an M1 Garand or whatever." Uh, and and that's what it is. You know, it's I don't know if there's a lot of thought given to if you go back to World War II now and maybe if you had a more receptive audience, you could tell a. a a more complicated story than Call of Duty, than Medal of Honor. See, I would argue that that's a big part of why um, other, for lack of a better term, quote, modern warfare games today fail to resonate, because there isn't really a story that they're telling. We talked about Wildlands last episode that we did, mm-hmm. and, like, all it is is just, like, here's 20 different assault rifles you can choose from. Isn't this cool? Like, well, no, it's not really cool, but that's kind of all you're giving me to go on, so I guess we're going to have to force ourselves to be excited about this. I, um, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think games 
I think war games, what they've done progressively over the last 10, 15 years is, is just give up on uh, fact and give up on research and, and give up on um, bravery is too strong a word but on conviction I think that Call of Duty and Battlefield, probably less so based on Battlefield 1, but then again, Battlefield 1 was a really timid game that may as well not have been set in the First World War, I sometimes think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what those games have done is is move away from any factual basis whatsoever and at the same time convince all of us that that's where they should be going. I think that that's the well, victory would... of Call of Duty's marketing. I, I, you mean, I would argue that it's not that they've given up on research and and portraying fact, you know, it's the Ubisoft thing, it's it's also the Call of Duty thing where uh, they've taken more is more. Well, and they've taken their reference photos, you know, they've flipped open the books and, and jotted down the names and they've, you know, included in-game encyclopedias where you can read about different World War One tanks you know, early tanks and things like that but they haven't synthesized any of it, right? They haven't... Yeah. They haven't decided what does it mean, you know? What yeah. what does, yeah. you know? And, and you think about it. You think about the rise of the, the the resurgence of populism and nationalism across the world today. And you talk about making a World War Two game, and boy, there's a lot of things you could say, you know. You, mm-hmm. you could, and, and that's what's interesting about history, right? Is is it's not that it's some remote thing that happened on a different planet. It's it's us from a different time. Uh, it's you know the same things happening again and again. What we choose to take from them into the modern day, and so you can make it. There hasn't, I'd say, been a really strong World War II game. You know that has that has looked at at you know even just the the war in Europe and said, what can we take from this? I mean, for for fear of sounding lofty and obnoxious, I would say there can't really be another good World War II game until we figure out uh, what it is we're trying to say. I think making a game about World War II and the the conflict that characterized that war in today's political climate would seem silly um, if you just look at where we are compared to everything. Um, I don't know. Because it's... I, I'd watch, a, I'd watch a, a film by someone who was trying to grapple with that. You know? Yeah, alright, alright. I can... I can, uh, I can buy I that. think I'm trying to be optimistic, maybe. And, and say that they're I'm not saying it can't happen I'm just saying it won't the the well the process by which we seem to be guided when it comes to developing especially with big budget games mm-hmm. um, is not so much interested in what can art teach us as it is what can we take from you know history to make a flashy thing that people will want to buy right yeah yeah I I think yeah, we keep ending episodes on this same note, though, right? But well, uh, it's because it's not changing; it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so we just had I to mean, keep I mean, kicking the wall. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it's not like it's uh, the onus is ours necessarily, and we have such power that we're going to smash down the gates of game development or the thinking behind game development and make any changes. But there's no point giving up saying all of these things until there's actually some sort of substantive shift in the mentality behind game making mm-hmm. right um it's still there and i i i totally agree that it it shouldn't have to be said that if you're making a game about war you a need to have 
as you put it, Reed, synthesize your knowledge and have something to say, and B, be able to back it up with fact and with reference. Like that, that shouldn't. That's a point that shouldn't even have to be made to to grown adults working in like a creative industry. Well, I, I <clears throat> yeah, yeah, not not to go too far into the into the weeds, but obviously there are people who are who are working on these things who want to say more. You know, there are, uh, and I think a lot of them worked on Medal of Honor. <laughs> Basically, uh, and, and not enough on quality. So you're saying that next month we're doing a Medal of Honor game? Uh, I'm saying that uh, uh, if you if you're interested in buying Medal of Honor, it's available <laughs> uh, mm. at Ed Smith Medal of Honor Warehouse, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where you just have these all the remaining copies of every Medal of Honor game. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got I've bought stock in the Medal of Honor franchise. Whereas Patrick um, and I own all the Call of Duty games, so yeah. Oh God, really? At least between the two of between us. Between the two of us, that's right. Oh, you think if we owned all the Call of Duty games, you'd think we'd have like, I don't know, a different website. <laughs> it would look different. <laughs> or you know, or microphones, like proper <laughs> microphones at least, or an office. That's, yeah, that's true. Get one of those Call of Duty microphones. Get one of those ones. <laughs> Hell Pat- yeah. Patrick and I are actually wearing night vision goggles over here, <laughs> recording this whole thing mm-hmm. in pitch black. I, that was one of the, wasn't that in the special edition of Modern Warfare Two? Modern or Warfare Two or Three? Three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, some sort of because faux, of course it was some faux night vision goggles. No, they were real night vision goggles. Oh really? Uh huh. <laughs> Fucking hell. My understanding is anyway. Yeah. Patrick so uses them in the too. Dark. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so when mom says go to bed, you can still s- <laughs> you can still sneak downstairs and play guns. I really, I really want to see a person sitting in the dark with night vision goggles and then turning on like their computer <laughs> or their TV and going uh, immediately blind. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 I do remember playing, uh, going to my friend's house, and he had bought the I don't know what it was called, like the Master Chief edition of Halo Three. Oh yeah, and it came with a with mas- helmet. It came with a Master Chief helmet. He just put it on his. Sh- he just put it on his shelf. But I said no. If I'm sitting down to play this game, I'm putting that on right now. So we sat well, and played Halo Three co-op with me in the in the helmet. You could wear it. See the one over yeah. here. It wasn't. It wasn't a proper helmet. Oh, no, the, the I, hole at the bottom was like it either didn't exist or was too small to get your head through. Which I think they did. On oh, I was. I was. I was able to squeeze into it and. Um, and I even I remember with Rainbow Six Vegas you could take a picture of yourself and and put it over your character's face <laughs> in game. So I I mm-hmm. had a Rainbow Six guy with my face but wearing the Master Chief helmet. It was my Rainbow Six uh, character. And yeah. so when we do a 24-hour live stream, we yeah. will uh, Ed will be turning like purple Punk. inside a Master Chief goggles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like uh like half of Daft Punk. Um, and I'll just be uh, I'll just have my bloody headless woman in a bikini torso next to me <laughs> while I play uh, Dead Island um, so I suppose that's Call of Duty I think we've we've brought that into a soft landing I think there's um, a lot to say about this game still well I, I think I there's feel a lot like to we... say mm-hmm. go on sorry but I, I also feel like um, a lot of kind of it's like a, a a happy coincidence, maybe, that a lot of the congenital problems 
in shooters at the moment we touched on the well I didn't just touch on but I think went into in quite a lot of detail in the Wildlands episode and I think what we've tried to get at here is maybe to think about Call of Duty almost as a sort of not exactly patient zero for that stuff but certainly a point at which the the virus mutated <laughs> um, well yeah I think you I, you know it's strange but 2017 video games are so young but uh, from 2003 <laughs> to 2017 we see I think the exact same problems still mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it's Call of Duty I think established you know I, I said at the beginning of this episode that I, I still think this game is is worthwhile in its way um, and, I'll, mm. and I'll stick with that even though I think there's an awfully lot an awful lot wrong with it um, but it codified a lot of it uh, CODified <laughs> codified. codified a lot of um, a lot of trends that exist today for better or for worse I think what it what it mm. left us in terms of how to maybe structure a, a longer narrative uh, is something that could could have been iterated on successfully over the years and, and largely hasn't been um, but the the problems it has with uh, how it handles its subject matter is mm. is also uh, deeply ingrained you I know? think it, it what I kind of admire about COD and, and what I think Black Ops 3 was getting at was that COD almost gives us a, a great example of what to get away from and Black Ops 3 is is I, I st- there's something in that game that it it it's very self-hating. It's, yeah, I was gonna say it's disgusted with itself. It it's really disgusted with itself. We, we'll need to do a proper episode on it sometime, but that's very much Call of Duty looking back at its legacy and yeah. and you know uh, slapping itself in the face over and over and, say, and saying what have we done? You know, yeah. what have we learned through all of this? What have we given our our culture? <laughs> Yeah, and, it is. And finding it is. itself wanting. Yeah, um, correct. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's a that's a fascinating game. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to think that World War Two, as a as an aesthetic and as a sort of concept, is a, you know, has the potential to be a, a sort of hitching post for Call of Duty. It will get sort of snagged on World War Two again and maybe like calm down. Uh, and and find some direction and and sort of regain some of its composure, um, but then again, you know, you you look at the way that the first Black Ops game did Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Um, I think that's one of the. I think Black Ops one and two are are uh, some of the strongest indictments of how Call of Duty handles the sort of prevailing cultural notion <laughs> of, of a historical moments. <laughs> you know, yeah. and just it makes yeah. you kind of want to throw up. Yeah, <laughs> the I closer it gets to our present day, the more it makes you want to barf. The the first the first Black Ops game is is one of the stupidest games. Um, uh, two is is trying real hard to outdo it. <laughs> I I I have favorable memories of two, but I've only played it once, so maybe I am uh, two to its credit. I played makes, it once when it came out. I think two to its credit makes you sort of the villain of the game uh, right. which isn't novel but it's at least for it is for that series maybe you can trace an arc <laughs> <laughs> no seriously I think you play as someone who it's like the main villain is is saying you and your your 
your people ever since the start of the Cold War have ruined uh, South America, and he hates yeah. you for it. And and yeah. you and you look at the game and you say, "Yeah, shit, man, that's a hundred percent true." But then you know that's... you have like Ollie North cam uh, doing a cameo in that game. Yeah. And what else do they have? There's a scene with fuck. You're in like the Angolan Civil War, hanging out with Joseph that's right. That's that. That's a bad one. Hacking up a yeah. uh, communist with a machete. That's a clanger. But there was that great one where there was a point. I think Black Ops Two is a sort of on ramp into Black Ops Three in the sense that it, it it's ready to sort of devolve into its own insanity. Because there's yeah. a level in Black Ops Two where you're playing as the sort of villainous drug dealer, and he goes into this kind of like psychopathic you know, this rage, right. this sort of like Hulk smash level where you're invincible and it's all sort of sheened red and it's like you've picked up the berserk power up in doom and um yeah there's that and then the and then the end is him the same character going to the grave right of another one of the characters and like pouring petrol on himself and setting himself on fire and like cutting into his chest with like this raggedy old metal necklace and it's just what the fuck maybe the thing yeah, that they they made them do before every was it all Sledgehammer who made uh I don't think it was. Treyarch. Yeah. Um Sledgehammer took over on Modern Warfare, they did Modern Warfare three. Right, right, right. So maybe yeah. it's they have to uh before they start a new Black Ops game they have to play every Call of Duty game released in uh Yeah. In a marathon and then they start, you know Start writing. They start storyboarding. <laughs> yeah. And so they just get more increasingly unhinged as time goes on. <laughs> I I would I would not if that was true, that would be very fitting and, <laughs> and, and not not surprising. Um, Does that make it really secretly the most genius series ever created? There, that is an article that's waiting to happen. All right, let's when, do. When Call of When Call of Duty drops dead in in a couple of years, basically, I think, and and it's sort of just discontinued, it peters out. There's going to be a huge retrospective on Black Ops. It's going to on 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 the whole thing. It's going to be like, is it, you know. Kind of like what happened with uh, Rock Band. Yeah. What killed Guitar Hero? And you, yeah, and pre- presupposing that all of Call of Duty is this giant meta text <laughs> and like, the insanity of Call of Duty itself. You know what? Um, that could be a that could be a, a strong artifact of our time. Yeah. yeah. Of, of, of it could. Popular I think, culture. I think we owe it to future generations. Yeah. To write the I mean, the Call of Duty ur text. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of. It's quite indicting, isn't it, to say like, "Oh, this is one of the most popular things in the world at the minute." Like this, yep. <laughs> well, it's yep, it's this. worth it's worth uh, digging your hands into. So we've done two um, we've done two Call of Duty games now. We have to uh, eventually do all of them. We do eventually have to do all of them. I think the next one we do should probably be Modern Warfare again, but Modern Warfare with, with better quality better audio. Yeah, um, we are going to do Trespasser. I promise you. Yes, I would like. To, I do trespasser. We're just talking now. This is this is for the last like two minutes. This has not been a. This has not been a, a broadcast. This has just been the three of us chatting. This shouldn't be going out. Um, so that's Call of Duty. Uh, <laughs> thank you for thank you for listening to this podcast as it as it it it, it sort of devolved momentarily into a, a conversation between three world weary tired men. Uh, we need your support <laughs> emotionally <laughs> <laughs> or else we'll talk uh, about Call of Duty more 
if you don't support that's a, us. That's a good. That's a good ultimatum, isn't it? Like, and we won't, we ev- won't talk about the games themselves. We'll just sort of talk about Vaguely. everything surrounding them. Yeah. So how are you feeling, Reed? <sighs> yeah. How are you, uh, you know, if we don't, if we don't hit, you know, like triple figures on that Patreon. It's I'm just, just gonna, I'm just gonna ask Reed how life is. I was like a filibuster podcast. <laughs> we just we just go back and forth on how kind of uh, listen, Mike, we feel. Mike Audacity says I have fifty four hours and sixteen minutes remaining on storage. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Get some get some Dew and Doritos in and um just, just clog up the internet for 54 hours. <laughs> uh, we need your support. If you go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points, you can uh, give us some money, uh, both to support this show and our, our sister website, bulletpointsmonthly.com, where we take a single game and discuss it for an entire month, four different articles by four different writers at the moment. And when this show goes out, we will still be looking at Nia Automata, uh, future months we're hoping to can we talk about future months is it worth doing it I don't know because things, things we don't change get, we don't get, yeah things change um, but future months we'll be we'll be doing good stuff that's all I'll say um, and this podcast of course will continue in full swing that's <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> fucking I, I'm trying to like come on guide it we, home you the endings s- are terrible the endings are always bad this is why I always just say on that bombshell on, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed McCarter. Ed, where can people yep. follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Most Sincerely Ed. Patrick? Reed's going rogue, I Patrick, like Patrick, where can people um, find you? I am on Twitter at Han Freakin' Solo. Okay, and uh, final question here. Uh, I know we usually like to talk about what games we've been playing that we'd want to recommend. Uh, as the host of this podcast, I'll throw uh, first to Ed. What is the best Medal of Honor for people who enjoyed this Medal of Honor podcast? Thanks, Reed. Thanks, thanks for hosting. Uh, the The best Medal of Honor is is the original Medal of Honor on PS One. Perfect. Uh, that that is a great Medal of Honor, and you can get it. Pro- I think if you're in America or Canada, you can get it on the PlayStation Store. If you're in Europe, forget about it. No chance, <laughs> baby. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was uh, fought on your soil, but you cannot play the video game of it. I bought I bought the disc because I'm a real person. Hmm. Patrick, I, I guess I'm still hosting. Uh, Patrick, what have you been playing that you'd want people to hear about? <sighs> what have I been playing? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback onto the end of uh, your question to Ed. Say that a decent-ish Medal of Honor game I remember from my later childhood was Airborne. Ooh, I have that. Call. I can't make it work on my computer, even though I bought it. Yes. It's uh, it's all right. It's not a bad not a bad little game. Uh, it's essentially everything you would expect from a Medal of Honor game, but they add in this thing where you parachute into your missions. Ooh. Uh, so that's 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 fun. Um, what have I been playing lately? Um, but maybe that's the so, good question, though. Is just that you know a, a World War Two game of note. Oh yeah, I mean, if we're if we're not restricting ourselves to Medal of Honor or Call of Duty, then um, there is obviously the very historic Wolfenstein two thousand nine, both historic as a achievement and historical in that it uh, adheres to a high degree of verisimilitude. Re how World War Two was fought with magic and the occult. Right, of course. Um, 
Um, Return to Castle Wolfenstein is unironically, uh, legitimately a good game. Um, Company of Heroes? Yeah, Company of Heroes, um, and also Brothers in Arms actually does some really good stuff with yeah. World War Two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess uh, speaking of Wolfenstein, I would, for mine, I would I say uh, Wolfenstein The New Order, which is a game that I thought looked terrible before it came out uh, with its premise of this alternate reality 60s where the Nazis have won uh, but that game has some I don't know it has something to it it's got space Nazis read I mean come on it does and it still also manages to be about World War 2 more than a lot of games that kind of slavishly recreate World War 2 battles in full Absolutely, detail it does. true yeah it does it uh, does has, has some commentary to make about sort of the uh uh, as J.V. Gwaltney wrote in Shooter uh, about sort of the mythic proportions that World War II has taken on, uh, specifically mm. in the West, about a titanic conflict between good and evil. You know, the tough American defeating the, the vicious Nazi. Vicious German, I'm gonna, I should say. I'm going to throw a curveball. We're, we're, we're running like deeply over time here, but I'm going <clears> to <throat> throw a curveball on the, on the World War II game front. L.A. Noire is yeah, yeah. LA Noir yeah. is the I think the best game about World War Two, uh, in the sense that it is expressly about what happens when you get back from World War Two or when people not when not the character, when people. Like it's a it's deep uh but narrow and it, it, it really finds a sort of truth about, you know, what nations become after the Second World War, what the people became after the Second World War. Um LA Noir I think is the consummate World War Two game. And that's set in the back, the later forties, right? Forty-six. Yeah, it's immediately after. Okay, the war. Yeah, wow! Right after the war. I, I think I had uh, blended it in my head that he was a Korean War veteran in that, but but I was wrong. Well, just 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 WW two. Um, all right, we better leave it there because we're we've we've made a long episode. This is the, our last Call of Duty episode. Went on and on and on as well. So there's uh, there's a lot to do here. They are rich veins. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to to draw out of these. Um, so yeah, let's 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 think carefully about the next Call of Duty game we do. Uh, I hope that everyone will join us for that. And on that uh, bombshell. And on that bombshell, I'd like to say thank you to Reed McCarter. Uh, I am your host. And thank you to Patrick Lindsay. You are welcome. I was going to say I, I was hoping you would say you're the host also. Oh no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to wear that mantle. Uh, heavy, heavy is the head. <laughs> and, <all that. laughs> and and thank you to Ed Smith. Yeah, cheers. Uh, and we will see you again on another episode of Bullet Points. Bye.